Planning a trip? Call my friend Jessica Vila from Sweet Bay Travel Concierge at 623-225-9609. While she can book a trip for you anywhere in the world, she specializes in Disney trips. If you're looking for a more luxurious and personalized cruise experience, Jessica can help you set sail in style with Disney Cruise Line's Concierge Level. This service gives you priority check-in and boarding, early access to your stateroom and show seating, free internet, exclusive character meet and greets, a private sun deck, and more. But what if you don't want concierge level and still want to take a Disney cruise? Regardless of your choice, Jessica will make sure that every aspect of your cruise is perfect. She can also book you on an Adventures by Disney world-class travel experience. With over 40 adventures over seven continents, Adventures by Disney provides a culturally immersive, once-in-a-lifetime dream vacation. You'll get VIP treatment, the world's best adventure guides, special activities for junior adventurers, and more. No matter the destination, Jessica will put together that perfect trip just for you. She will literally handle everything. Begin your new adventure by calling Jessica at 623-225-9609 or email her at jessica at sweetbaytravelconcierge.com. That's sweetbay, B-A-Y, travelconcierge.com. Why have a regular vacation when you can have a magical one? To all who come to this happy podcast, welcome. Hi, I'm Scott Jacobs, and this is season two of The Mouse and Me. On the show, I'll chat with my pals who come from all walks of Disney life, including Imagineers, dancers, technicians, directors, musicians, and stuntmen, and Broadway friends who have worked on stage and behind the scenes. We'll talk attractions, shows, food, characters, tips and tricks for planning your trip and navigating the parks, and more. Now, Put on your Mickey ears or your princess crown and enjoy season two of The Mouse and Me. Hello, Disney fans, and welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, Scott Jacobs. Uh, before we get into things, if you haven't already, please subscribe to the show, rate it, and leave a review. And if you'd like to support the show, please visit patreon.com slash themouseandme. Also, follow me on social media by searching The Mouse and Me. We post questions, pictures, information about past, current, and upcoming guests, and we also do Fun Fact Friday. I love my fun facts, so definitely check out Fun Fact Friday. And now, today's guest. He was born in northern New Jersey, was raised in southern New Jersey, attended Triton High School in New Jersey, and when the time came for him to finally get out of New Jersey, the place where he went was Walt Disney World in Orlando, otherwise known as South Southern New Jersey. So some of his some of his performing theatrical credits include Disney's Beauty and the Beast, A Christmas Story the Musical, Crazy for You, Little Shop of Horrors, and Peter and the Starcatcher. As a director and choreographer, he worked on productions of Disney's Newsies, All Shook Up, To Kill a Mockingbird, Ragtime, and The Hunchback of Notre Dame. He started his Disney career as a skipper on Jungle Cruise, worked on Pirates of the Caribbean, the Magic Carpets of Aladdin, and worked Star Wars weekends at Disney's Hollywood Studios, and currently he works as a VIP tour guide at Universal Orlando Resort. Some personal history, my wife introduced me to him many years ago, and she and I actually bumped into him several times at a random Walt Disney World theme park on a few trips. Also, he and I recently spent time together at both parks at the Disneyland Resort, and while we were there, we attended the Disneyland After Dark Sweethearts Night event. More on that in a bit. Please welcome my friend, my pal, Jason Mangano. Hey! There you are. Hello, there I am. How are you? I am doing well. How about yourself? I am the best ever. Thank you. Love that. Love that. So we will absolutely be talking about Disneyland, but I want to talk about your history with Walt Disney World, if you don't mind. No, I I don't mind at all. It's it's a very long layered history. I've all well, first off, I've always loved Disney. Mm-hmm. So that is just number one about me, my life. It's musical theater references, Disney, the Golden Girls, 
that mm-hmm. name. So everything just amalgamated into one. And my grandma, I guess I was lucky enough to have this, lived in Florida. Mm. So every year, or almost every year, it was tradition that we would always go visit her and then do one or two days at a Disney park. But, I mean, this goes back even farther than that. One of the first movies I ever saw in a theater was when they re-released Sleeping Beauty. Mm. So that started it. Okay, That's the one we can blame. And then (laughs) growing up, I had the beginnings of the Disney Channel. And I watched that daily. I would watch the new Mickey Mouse Club. I would watch all of the cartoons and um, Adventures in Wonderland was another one that I used to watch a lot. And that just started my Disney love. And I've always have undiagnosed ADHD. So being able to focus and watch anything Disney was awesome. And the first time I went to Disney World that I can remember, I was seven. Mm. And I vividly remember the first attraction I went on was Peter Pan's Magic Flight. Was it magic? It was magic, and I was confused as to how my mom got into the the ship behind me. Because mm, okay. I remember that her and my grandma were in line with me and my dad, but I'm like, but they didn't get in with us. And then I turned, and there they were. And then it struck me, oh, they're going on the ride, too. We didn't, we didn't do many then, but we did Peter Pan. We did the Jungle Cruise, which we'll put a big pin in. Mm-hmm. Um I was too afraid to do the Haunted Mansion at seven. Aww. I wouldn't do it. I would not do it. But even more terrifying than Haunted Mansion, I did go on It's a Small World after all. <laughs> and I also vividly remember going into Toontown, which at the time was called Mickey's Birthday Land. Okay. And I remember meeting Mickey for the first time ever. And there How is, is that? Pho- well, there's photographic evidence. Nice. I I was so excited I couldn't stop adjusting my shorts. <laughs> and and so that has become a very infamously funny story in the lore of me and my Disney love. And then just every every once in a while after that, we would always try to make a vacation work. Uh, we did one year where we took the summer, we went to Hollywood Studios, then MGM Studios, which is where I fell in love at the tender age of 12 years old with The Great Movie Ride. Mm-hmm. And also where my dad and I went on Tower of Terror and I found out my dad had a fear of heights. Yeah, not the best ride for that. No, <laughs> no, no, no. And I didn't know about it until that moment. And it was rediscovered a few years later when he and I went on Splash Mountain together. And uh, something you have to understand about my dad, he is a North Jersey Italian. Mm -hmm. And just envision this very tough Tony Soprano looking man at the top of Splash Mountain going, oh, God, oh, God, oh, oh God. It's stuck in my head as a top, a top five moment, just hearing him. So whenever I think of Splash Mountain, I just think of my dad behind me um now all right so so you did splash mountain you you didn't want to do haunted mansion you you did peter pan's flight what what was your very first disney parks memory my very first disney parks memory was going on peter pan's magic flight oh okay okay yes no uh the splash mountain that was a few years later so i didn't it wasn't open this was 1990 and I remember the things I vividly remember were the ferry boat, because we took the ferry Mm -hmm. to get over. I remember Peter Pan's magic flight, and I remember meeting Mickey. And I remember the Jungle Cruise. My very first Disney memory was watching the monorail disappear into the Contemporary Hotel. And I'm like, okay, that was cool. Where did it go? But Correct. that was cool. I, uh, and then and we it, stayed at the Contemporary on uh, on one of the trips when, when I was a kid. And I remember going out into the hallway and just looking over the railing and just watching the monorails come and go. I just couldn't get enough of it. Amazing. So it's funny. I was actually on the monorail the other day and a girl, I hear her talking to her family and she goes, 
How do they do that? How do they sleep at the contemporary with this monorail going back and forth? Isn't it loud? Can't they hear it? And I'm just like, oh, honey. Oh, it's so quiet. Exactly. It's so smooth. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't take the monorail, though. I, As I said, we took the ferry boat over. Okay. Why? I don't know. Again, I was seven. Just now, like, did you ever think that you would work at Disney? Like, was that ever on your radar? Yeah, I did. Okay. So this is a very, <laughs> sorry, I got a visitor. This is a very, hi. Hi, Scotty. Hi there. This is Scotty, the cutest dog in the world. So my senior year of high school, I was on my senior trip and I was with all of my friends. Oh, he wants to, he wants to be with me. He wants to be part of this. And I remember turning to them, we went on the Jungle Cruise, and I remember turning to them and just going, I'm going to work here. And they went, yeah, okay. All right. Cut to four years later, there I was working at the Jungle Cruise, and now all of these kids I went to high school with are sending me messages. Hey, you know, my family and I are going to be down in Florida. Any chance we could get some tickets? So that's something that will always... Stick with me. Not only that, another um, school friend of mine, we actually uh, roomed together on senior mm-hmm. trip. He was another one that Disney was always on his radar, and he is now in his 10th year of Finding Nemo. Wow. And That's awesome. I just remember on senior trip, he and I both going, this is where we're going to end up. And cut to 2013. Uh, him and his partner came because he was in his second or third callback. And I main-gated them into the park, and we had lunch at Be Our Guest. And I remember he and I looking at each other and going, can you believe this? Like, this is where we said we were going to end up, and here we are. And so Disney was always a thought. Mm-hmm. When it became a reality is a completely different story. Now, really quickly, I, I want to yeah. jump back for a second. You mentioned he's in his 10th year in Finding Nemo. Uh, yes. Who does he play in the show? Because earlier today, I interviewed uh, Dee Quintero, who played okay. the role of Nemo for five years. So it's Justin Lore who plays the role of Marlin. Oh, nice. Yeah. We went to high school. We actually, we sat one in front of the other. We were mistaken for each other all through high school. We did all the shows together. So it's just funny that we both ended up in the Orlando area, both working for the theme parks. But yeah, he has been Marlin now. Hey. Now, is he the one who has glasses? Yes. He is spectacular in that role. And he's also really amazing. He also, this will blow your mind. He's an incredible wig maker. He actually, it was before the pandemic, but the pandemic kind of opened it in him where he started doing wigs for different shows, and then he started doing more marketing on himself. It's called Tease and Floof. You can look him up. (laughs) Uh, But again, Disney kind of opened that for him. And there was another girl I went to high school with who also was in Nemo. So a bunch of us Jerseyans just all ended up here. And incidentally, when I started on the Jungle Cruise, there was a girl named Ashley Taylor. And Ashley Taylor and I both started at the same time as Skippers. And what I didn't know is Ashley Taylor and I went to rival high schools. Mm. So she went to Highland. I went to Triton. Uh, Shortly thereafter, Ashley went into entertainment. And now Ashley is a huge artist. So for every Festival of the Arts, she has artwork up. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And it cracks me up because I remember this dorky girl... From New Jersey, we called her Woohoo Ashley because she would scream Woohoo as the boat was coming up every time. And we all talked about how we all ended up in the same place at the same time. And of course, we referenced New Jersey while doing so. And when people always ask me, why did you leave New Jersey? I go, why would I stay? <laughs> but it's funny to me how we all had that in common where Disney was the ending point. And I'm not the only one in my family who has worked in Disney World, as my little sister also worked in Disney. She did the college program about 10 years back. Uh, And so I kind of opened her love of Disney. Nice. So my grandmom and always coming and visiting in Florida is what opened up my love of Disney. And then I opened up the Disney love for my little sister. Now, when you... Okay, so... 
you started working Jungle Cruise as a skipper. Yep. Were there like general auditions for that or did you just have to apply for a job and then they're like, well, you seem like you'd be a good fit. We want to talk to you about, you know, Jungle Cruise. So this was 2005. At the time you had to call. You had to call them three weeks before you were going to be there and make an appointment. And a year prior, again, this is a very roundabout story, but it'll all make sense in a minute. I was working for the Disney store in Cherry Hill. Okay. And which is where everyone starts. Like <laughs> most, most stories start at, I was at the Disney store, but I went on a vacation summer 2004 with my family and we went on the jungle cruise and there was this jungle cruise skipper who was unbelievable. And I remember I went on by myself because no one else wanted to go on with me. And I was laughing uncontrollably. This woman was doing Xanadu references. Nice. Like screaming Xanadu at the top of her lungs. And it was that moment where I went, this is it. This is where my career trajectory is going to lead me. So cut to a year later, I went down. Literally, it was like a whim. I was 22 years old. I went, this is where I want to be. I went down. I did the interview. I stayed with a friend. I met up with a couple of other people. I met up with my aunt. I met up with a woman I worked with at the Disney store who actually was my reference. And back in the day, and still, if you gave a reference, that usually helps you a little bit more with getting seen for a job. Mm -hmm. So I remember I was wearing a little suit. I had a tie on. And we go in, and I was going in for attractions, and... I sit down with the woman, introduce myself, and she goes, what attraction do you want to see yourself at? And I said, the Jungle Cruise. And she said, that's good, because the second you walked in the room, that is the place that I saw you. My interview lasted 10 minutes. Okay. I was hired in 10 minutes. I'm filling out the paperwork now, freaking out, because I'm like, I have three weeks to move down here, and I don't know where I'm going. I have three weeks to uproot my entire life. This is the craziest thing I've ever done. And I call my mom and I'm like, mom, I got the job. And she goes, oh my God, this is the craziest thing you've ever done. <laughs> and I I just took that moment and I'm like, I've got to do this. So we had friends from home whose sister lives in Orlando. She's still here. And so it was a connection game. And... Our friend got in touch with her sister and her sister was like, you know what? I'll I'll house him until he gets his feet going. Mm -hmm. So great. I've got a place. Awesome. I didn't have my license. Whoops. Because I just, you know, things happened and I never wanted to get my license. And then I had to. So I'm a New Jersey driver that learned to drive in Florida. I can't drive at all. In those three wait, wait, weeks. Do you have a, sorry, do you have a Florida license or at the time, did you get your a Florida or a New Jersey license? I got a New Jersey license. Okay. I just okay. got my Florida license last year. Oh, wow. So now I'm officially a Floridian. I'm going to grow a mullet and get some bath salts. It's great. <laughs> but I, so I got my license in that three week period. We got me a car and I had a day to fly down. And then the next day I began traditions. Nice. So now this is where the circle back happens. So I do my traditions and then I do my uh, for a guest. And I'm told, oh, you're going to be working on the Jungle Cruise. Well, great. We'll bring you over. We'll have you do go on one of the boats so you can observe it. The first boat I went on was that of Rhonda Belcher. Rhonda Belcher was the woman who a year earlier is the boat that I went on. Oh, wow. That actually is the reason I became a Jungle Cruise skipper and who, to this day, I still look on as a mentor. And and it happened just completely by chance. We're sitting down and my jaw just drops. Please and tell after, me that you told her that. I did. And after okay. Okay. We, we do an introduction and I go, this is going to sound super strange. Last year, I was here with my family and I went on your boat. And she's like, are you sure it was me? I went, you screamed Xanadu. She went, yeah, that was me. and I remember from that moment forward she took me under her wing and so I became like her little 
I, I was her Eliza Doolittle. Okay. Okay. So when, when I went through the training, she is the one who I remember was like my angel and she still is. We still talk. There's a bunch of us jungle crew skippers that still talk because when you're a skipper, you really don't want to talk to anyone else. <laughs> and I definitely tapped into my theater background with the jungle cruise because it's no pun intended. It's sink or swim. <laughs> right. And you're thrown out there. I, again, I chalk this up to my theater background, but so for training way back in the day, I don't know if it's changed, but it was four days. You had the first day, which was like your introductory day. You got your script. You went on a couple of boats. You went through all the OG. Then the next day, you went through the technical process of learning the physical attraction. Mm -hmm. Well, I remember that first day, they give me the script, and I'm looking it over. And a crazy thing about me, just so you know, is I have a crazy memory. I have a legit photographic memory. Okay. And I looked at that script. It took me probably a half hour. I had it memorized. Nice. So day two, we're on the boats. And I remember my trainer, who I'm, again, still friends with to this day. Her name is Heather. She's unbelievable. Turns and goes, do you want to try it out? And I went, yeah, let's do it. So I went and I did the full jungle cruise. And it was only me and another guy that were training. And so I did the full boat. We get to the end and she goes... You're ready. And this was day two. They mm. loaded me and I went live on my day two. Nice. I was horrible. <laughs> I, I went live. And I remember after it, I get done, I docked the boat and I looked at her and I went, what did I just do? I still had two more days of training. And I remember the joy of when I got it. I remember the joy of when they told me that I was checked out and that I was a jungle crew skipper because this was what I set out to do. Right. I, I had a very low bar at 22 years old. <laughs> a very low bar. But this is what I wanted to do. This is where I wanted to be. And little did I know that things in my life will still come back to the jungle cruise. And like, I still tell jungle cruise jokes. On a, on a daily basis. I do them on my tours. As you I, should. Yes. One of the ones I always consistently do is, if you had a great time today, my name is Jason. If not, and you have to go to HR for any reason, my name is Tim. So that's one. <laughs> that's that's so yeah. funny. I, at work, yeah. at the end of the session, I'm like, I hope you enjoyed the session. If you did, my name is Scott. If you didn't, my name is Dan. Or yeah. whatever name I come up with at, in the moment. So I, I get you. Yeah. And um, so my roommate, my current roommate and I actually met working on the Jungle Cruise. And now, now you you didn't just stay on Jungle Cruise. You moved over to uh, Pirates of the Caribbean. All right. So that was your second one. Now, were you were you voluntold to move or did you initiate the move or were you able to work multiple attractions depending on the day? You were able to work multiple attractions, but I didn't want pirates i wanted haunted mansion mm. but everyone wanted haunted mansion and i didn't have a lot of seniority so pirates was like the consolation prize and let me tell you i loved it why loved wear those socks are you kidding me getting to wear those <laughs> socks but also the camaraderie of everyone and not having to be on like actually mm. having a day where I don't have to be go, 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 go. And I can just walk into work, go sit up in a tower and push a button and just send boat upon boat upon boat. Mm -hmm. the, the one thing I learned, though, from Pirates is that attractions are no joke. And I still see this on a daily basis. People think attractions, people think when an attraction goes down, it's going to come back up right away. No. No, no, no. It takes a lot. You have to cycle through the entire attraction. Mm. And with Pirates, spoiler alert for anyone listening that didn't know this, Big Brother is always watching. There are cameras throughout that entire attraction. And many, many a fun shift I had while being up in the tower just watching <laughs> the TVs going, oh my God, do those people know that we can see them? Do, does anyone know what is happening? 
Now, when Pirates goes down, it's very technical. And this next story I'm about to tell you was actually included for some time in the training groups. Okay. So when Pirates goes down, one of the first things that has to happen is you have to key the down ramp. The down ramp is where the skull and crossbones are, and it's the dip, right before you go into the main show scene. Mm-hmm. I was unload on this particular day. So I'm standing there at the microphone. Oi, ahoy. Thank you, me hearties. Out the boat. The ride goes down. This is my first time at Unload. My first time with the downtime at Pirates. I'm so excited because I'm like, yes, I'm going to do this. I go (laughs) running to the down ramp and I forgot the key. Whoops. And so I get on the phone and I go, I'll be right back. And they now (laughs) see me running all the way back. Thankfully, no one ran out of a boat. No one jumped. Nothing. But it was that moment where I'm like, you need to make sure you're on it. This isn't the Jungle Cruise anymore where you're in charge of your own boat. This is where you're in charge of a physical attraction Mm -hmm. and you're in charge of safety and you're in charge of a guest experience and sending the boats and sending the boats. And there's more that goes into it than people might think. And another fun aspect of Pirates, which I know I've mentioned to you before, is George. Mm Mm-hmm. So George is half lore, half real, half truth. It depends on who you talk to. George was a maintenance man that worked on Pirates of the Caribbean when it was being built in the late 90s, early 70s. And rumor has it that he was on a beam, fell off the beam, broke his neck, and now he haunts the Pirates of the Caribbean. Okay. My first experience with George, I was getting a tour of the building And my trainer took me to George's beam. And on George's beam is this little drawing of a man falling to his death, which is super morbid. And there was a maintenance man that walked in front of us and tripped. And I remember Vanessa and I looking at each other because we never saw that man before and we never saw him again. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. And there's a door at the end of Pirates of the Caribbean where the dog is. The dog Mm -hmm. with the keys in his mouth. Mm -hmm. If you see that door open, that means George is out. And that means the ride is going to be going down. Mm. And again, fate was tested. Fate was tempted. We had this gorgeous girl, Amber, who I was also a skipper with, who also cross-trained over to Pirates with me. And she went, you know, George, I really want some downtime today. And it was my last day working at Pirates before I went seasonal. And after she said that, we were down for three hours. Wow. And we will be right back. If you're looking for a unique, finely crafted gift that's like no other, you have to check out bowandharrow.com. Bow and Harrow specializes in using reclaimed materials from a variety of sources to create heirloom quality products with their own story to tell. These incredible materials range from sports stadium seats to whiskey barrels to your favorite film locations and more. And every single piece they make is handcrafted in their Southern California studio. I purchased the black titanium twist ball pen, the Fitzgerald model, from them, and the quality and craftsmanship is second to none. To see their gorgeous pens, rings, cufflinks, cutting boards, serving trays, bottle openers, and more, visit bowandharrow.com. That's bow, B-O-W, and harrow, H-A-R-R-O-W.com. Bow and Harrow, bringing customers the highest quality handmade products that exceed all expectations. Attention Disney enthusiasts, film fans, and those who have grown up with and have been inspired by Disney animation films. Drawn to Greatness, Disney's animation renaissance tells the story of Walt Disney Studios' hit animated films of the 1990s. This incredible book, written by celebrated author and 20-year Walt Disney World veteran Michael Lyons, provides the chronological story of how a group of Disney artists trained by legends who had worked on the studio's classic films believed in the power of storytelling. Each Disney animated film from this era is captured in first-hand detail, including how the blockbuster success of The Lion King was a circle-of-life moment for the studio, 
how The Nightmare Before Christmas went from a forgotten project to a scary success, how Toy Story took animation to infinity and beyond, and so much more. Get your copy of Drawn to Greatness, Disney's Animation Renaissance today at Amazon.com or through Michael's website, wordsfromlions.com. If you order through his website, Michael will sign and personalize the book to you. Again, that's wordsfromlions.com, L-Y-O-N-S.com. And now, back to the show. Now, 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 you mentioned before, you know, when the ride goes down, you have to cycle. Can you yeah. explain that? Absolutely. So cycling through an attraction is sending all of the ride vehicles without anyone in them. And if there's anyone that goes into them, it'll be either a maintenance man or it'll be a team member or a cast member. Okay. So when you have to cycle through, say, something like Tron, the Tron coaster. Mm-hmm. You have to stop the entire attraction. You do like a restart. And then once it restarts, you have to then cycle through every single ride vehicle to make sure nothing gets stuck, that they all go properly, and that whatever issue stopped it in the first place, be it an e-stop, be it something someone did, doesn't happen again. Okay. So that is what a cycle through is. You just do a full cycle of the ride Once the original ride vehicle that you started the cycle with gets back, you're good to go. Now, both of those attractions, I mean, obviously water is a huge part of them. What safety and rescue protocols are in place for Jungle Cruise and Pirates? So with the Jungle Cruise, first off, again, mind blown, the water only goes four feet. Mm -hmm. So it's not far. And how would I know that? I fell in the water. Oof. Oh, and I had to get a tetanus shot. <laughs> but they, the safety is more or less in how you load your guests, especially with Jungle Cruise. It's the weight. So, like, you can't uh, load one side too heavy and the other side not heavy enough because then the boat's going like that and it's not fun. Right. It's also knowing what happens if someone falls in the water. What to do in the case of the boat sinking, which has mm. happened. Yeah, yeah, yes, I've um, seen. Yes, yes. So, so, uh, so what do you do when the boat takes on water? What do you do when somebody falls in? Scream. <laughs> um, no, you, you've got to be proactive. And the first thing you have to do is you have to remain calm. And the second thing you have to do is hope that your radio is working so you can call someone because either your boat has to get towed, like if a boat dies in the water, which I've had happen. We've all had happen. You need to get the boat towed and it goes backwards. Mm. So they have to clear out all the boats that were there. So you put a rope on the dead boat and then you have to bring the boat back. Okay. And there, there were some wonderful days as well with stall material where say you're another boat on the river and a boat dies. You're stuck. You're going nowhere. Mm-hmm. So there was one day, I forget what brought it on, but my very dear friend Jen was in the boat behind me, and all she does is turn and sees me doing full-blown high kicks, like kicking <laughs> my face, and Jen gets on her mic and goes, y'all, Jason's doing high kicks in front of me, I can't, I can't compete, so just watch him. <laughs> like, another time, my friend Amber, who I just brought up, and I did Grease. Mm-hmm. So we did summer nights, me from my boot, boot, boot. I just turned Canadian. Me from my yeah. boat, her from her boat. Okay. Because again, you're stuck. You can't go anywhere until this congestion goes up. Say you're on the river on a cruise and it starts thundering. You're you're stuck and you're mm-hmm. in metal. You have to finish and you have to get back. You have to get that back because then you're going down. Pirates, you have to get specially trained in waders to go into the water. Uh, Same thing with Jungle Cruise. You have to be ready at a moment's notice to hop in that water. And fun fact, the water at the Jungle Cruise is a lot cleaner than you think. Yeah, the color comes out of the uh, Schweitzer Falls. It does. It's all food Mm -hmm. coloring. Mm -hmm. It's all food coloring. I mean, I still wouldn't go in that water, but... I'm well, just saying, I mean, you had to have a tetanus shot. Makes sense. I got a tetanus shot. Yeah, so those were what you had to know. 
in okay. those cases. Now, now and, did anything ever actually happen on either of those attractions where you had to put on the waiters and go in and, uh, you know, rescue people from a boat on pirates yes. or? Yes. Okay. I had to do it on pirates hmm. uh, because it the boat was stuck and it wasn't going and we had to evacuate the ride. And okay. again, it was like a trial by fire. They don't prepare you for it in training. So when it happens, it's like, okay, it's go time. We're doing this. And you're in your waiter and you're in the water and you're grabbing these people and you've got your fast passes ready, your pa- paper fast passes. Because this was back days. in the day. And you're also, there was a little bridge that you had to bring out from the boat to where the guests had to evacuate. So like someone went in the water, put the bridge down, you stood there, you got them up, you got them out. Those, those were always very chaotic, but very fun because it was like, what are we going to do today? And also like there was one day where one of the pirates hands fell in the water and we had to stop the ride and get the hand out. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's great. There was one, one day, uh, this is again, very morbid, very morbid story, but on Kilimanjaro safaris, there was a day where lightning struck a giraffe and rest in peace, oh. Lucky the Giraffe. Well, about a week later, I'm that- Wait, wait, wait. The giraffe's name was Lucky? Sure was. And- Well, I, well, I mean, not on that day. A week later, I'm on the Jungle Cruise being my usual jerky self, which was the persona that I would put on. Made a joke about how we're different than Kilimanjaro safaris because if our animals get struck by lightning, they won't die. And as I say this, the giraffe gets struck by lightning and the head flies off. (laughs) Uh, Another another fun occurrence that happened on the Jungle Cruise. I'm doing a night cruise. So it's a night boat. And I'm talking and I get past the python. And Mm -hmm. I hear everyone in my boat remarking about how realistic the snake was. Oh, no. And I've got I've got that moment of, are you kidding me? And I turn and there's a black water moccasin slithering its way up the crates in the center of the boat. I now, I don't know what got into me. I grab the gun and I start pistol whipping (laughs) the snake and I'm screaming. It was like Jerry Lewis and Paul Rubin's love child (laughs) combined into me. And I'm screaming, I'm hitting this snake and everyone in the boat is freaking out because they think this is real. They think this is part of the jungle cruise. And I remember they had a manager ready for me because I got escorted off the boat and I'm shaking. I'm literally like like this. I'm from Jersey. I've never dealt with snakes. Hmm. And Yeah, I am not yeah. a big snake fan at no. all. I, I, we had a big windstorm. It was, oh gosh, maybe three or four days ago. And the tarp that's covering the wood pile out in the back uh, blew off. So as I'm walking through the yard to uh, fix the tarp, I see this massive black snake. I'm like, yep, this can yeah. wait. And I did a 180 and I went back in the house and I do not do snakes. Nope. I, you are a much better person than I would have been. I would have jumped in the water. Well, I was also like 22, 23 years old. It was it was that moment of I have to do something. And that <sighs> something apparently was pistol whipping a snake. Wow. Yeah. And well, well, so, so I want to know how it got in the boat in the first place. So do I. So do I. Uh, no, they're, they live on the attraction. Great. So what I'm, yeah, surprised. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not surprised at all, but so what I'm, know, I, is, I've never seen a real snake, yeah. you know, not yeah. good here. Now that you've said, you just I, I manifested it, but yeah, I know. I'm thinking it must have gotten in either from the top, which is even more terrifying. Oh, oh, like it fell down from a tree or something? Yeah. And okay. it came down like the stove in the middle, or it just slithered, slithered in. Maybe on if it was a dead boat, it just slithered mm. in and the skipper before me didn't see it. Or the skipper did see it and knew you me. were next. Yes. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that, that was traumatic. Um, now, I mean, I'm sure that nothing nothing traumatic or nothing crazy probably ever happened at the magic carpets of Aladdin. Actually. (laughs) So it wasn't crazy or traumatic. First off, let me tell you those pants, 
wonderful. The pants that you wear, <laughs> wonderful. We had this wonderful woman that worked with us who was older. She was a snowbird. And at the Magic Carpets of Aladdin, you had to check everyone's belts. And she thought that she did, but I think she missed, either missed a carpet or the kid undid the belt. Oh, and no. I'm at the main console. I hit the button to go because I get the thumbs up from her. And I'm like, great. I hit the button and all of a sudden this kid flies out of the carpet and is hanging. And now I have to e-stop it. And so we e-stop it and it resets. And this poor woman is just standing there in a daze. Just in a oh, complete no. daze. No, no, no. I'm, I'm assuming e-stop is emergency yes, stop. that is what an e-stop okay, is. Okay. Uh, kid was fine. The kid was fine. I want to know why the kid was hanging off the carpet in the first place. Yeah, but right. I'll put wow. it this way. When people go on vacation, people are like, hmm, let me try doing this. Not knowing, no, you shouldn't do that. Like, I saw mm -hmm. someone on the unload belt of Hagrid's, one of our attractions at Universal, and it's a belt like the Haunted Mansion. And this woman thought it would be great to stop and take a selfie with her daughter, not realizing this thing is going to move, and she wipes out. Oh. So it's just little moments like that. So I, I forget what exactly was the correlation, but mm -hmm. I just remember seeing the kid hanging out of the carpet. What a what a vision! Yes. Now, now, now I, all right. So, of those three attractions, if I had to guess, I would say Jungle Cruise was your favorite because you always wanted to to do correct. that. Am I? Correct? You are correct. Okay. Um, and as I said, it's where I met my now roommate, and we were both twenty two years old, and we were both from the north, and. Mm -hmm. So many times he and I worked together and we went, how did we not get fired? Like we <laughs> talk back. We worked a buyout one night for mm -hmm. IBM. And I just remember because we had a bunch of drunk people. The jokes that night were unhinged. <laughs> they were not the OG jokes at all. And he and I still to this day. Now, did they give you permission to go off script or you just went off script? With reason. Mm -hmm. So... I can openly tell you not many Jungle Cruise skippers, especially back in the day, stayed on script, stayed on OG. Okay. And if they did, or if they say they did, they're lying because we all had our jokes that we would do. I would do Willy Wonka in the temple where I would literally physically hang upside down and sing, there's no earthly way of knowing which direction we are going. <laughs> like... We all did our little things. Did and did anyone ever get in trouble? Like, was there ever a manager or or someone you know riding in that boat? Oh, yeah. just to check in. Oh yeah, you could get you could get caught. I got okay. So there was one night where I had a manager hiding, and I didn't know it, and I was not on script at all. And he said, "Because you were so funny, I'm letting it go." <laughs> so I didn't get in trouble. I only got talked to once. In all my time of working on the Jungle Cruise, and it's because this woman was in a really ugly Hawaiian shirt. And I went, ma'am, that shirt is so loud, I can't hear the music. <laughs> that is the joke I got in trouble for. Oh. Yeah. Well, now, and you got in trouble because she complained or because she someone complained. was on the boat? No, because oh. she complained. It was because she complained. There were just... One of, one of the things I used to do that I love to do is... Um, all right, everyone, the Jungle Cruise is over. Get out. Oh, I'm sorry. Where's my Southern hospitality? Oh, that's right. I'm from New Jersey. Get out. <laughs> so I would always lean hard into that New Jersey northerner type of thing mm -hmm. with my Jungle Cruise. Okay. And again, we all had these personas that we put on. There was a guy that I worked with who called himself Danger Bob. And it was because he was always in danger. And he wore fake glasses and like this hat askew and would always just be very up in arms like that. And mm -hmm. we had another guy that sounded exactly like Kronk from The Emperor's New Groove and did his boat that way. Hey, have you enjoyed yourselves today? My name has been Tom, the poison, the poison for Cusco. So <laughs> we all had that little thing that we sure, would all sure. add in. I will tell you, though, it's hard 
Because you got to think, the way that the Jungle Cruise worked, you're working an eight-hour day. You have your rotation, which a rotation could be like boat, unload, boat, break. It's 30 minutes in a boat, because technically each cruise is 10 minutes long. If, mm-hmm. if someone misses their bump and you end up having to go a fourth time in a boat, your energy gets zapped, your voice gets completely shot, mm-hmm. and then you're on the boat again. You're going again. You're doing a marathon. So right, right, right. mentally preparing for a shift at the Jungle Cruise was was never easy. That's why whenever I would have a day at Pirates, I would love it. Because that would be my no-brainer. That's my, I can sit, I can, like, I don't have to be out there today. Sure, sure. And now when you moved from attractions to entertainment, tell me what you did in entertainment. That was the Star Wars, right? So with entertainment, there was a gap. So I went back and forth for some time between home, between Florida. When I started in entertainment, I was a character attendant. Okay. So I worked with the characters. Not not that I didn't want to be one. In fact, one of my dream jobs in entertainment, and it will always be a dream, even though they don't have it right now, is Streetmosphere, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. I did audition for. And I made it to the final callback. And I was really too young at the time. And I wasn't equity yet. And I just went to do it. So I'm like, this will be my foot in the door for entertainment. So I started as a character attendant and I was at Hollywood Studios. Okay. And let me tell you, that is the best park to work at. Why? It is super chill. It is super cool. It's smaller. So everyone, like at the Magic Kingdom, there's a big turnaround there. You you have a different manager a day. At studios, Mm -hmm. everyone knew each other. And it's very contained. And the first place I ever worked at Hollywood Studios as a character tenant was at the Toy Box with Woody and Buzz. And Mm. that would become my home. Uh, So I was there a lot. Now, Star Wars Weekends took a year for me to get to. So Star Wars Weekends was very prestigious. And it still is, depending on who you talk to. Everyone wanted to do this event. Everyone wanted to work the event. And I kind of lucked into it my first year because I was seasonal at this point. So I came back for a bit and I'm like, okay, I'm going to be here for maybe two months before I go into rehearsals for cabaret because I was doing cabaret at the time. And it was two days before the event was starting And I get a call, someone backed out, they need a replacement, can I do all five weeks of the event? And I was like, absolutely, let's do it. Mm -hmm. And so my first year that I did Star Wars Weekends, I did not know what I was in for. I had Mm -hmm. no clue. The days are grueling, because you're working 13-hour days, three days in a row for five weeks. The first okay. year I was with the Chipwalks. So I was with Chip and Dale and they were Ewoks. And mm, okay. I, I also jumped in a couple of days and extended and worked with Chewbacca. Okay. And not only the love I felt for the cast, the love I felt for the management, but also the love I felt for the guests. Because up until this point, that was the only place you could see the characters. So this is way before Galaxy's Edge. Mm -hmm. My first Star Wars Weekends experience was 2013. I watched it. And they did something called Hyperspace Hoopla, which look it up on YouTube because it'll blow your mind. It's like Darth Vader doing too legit to quit. (laughs) Uh, They ended up getting rid of it the year that I started. But another cool factor with Star Wars Weekends is you have special guests. So that the first year I worked at, we had Mark Hamill. We had Billy Dee Williams. Oh, wow. Yeah. Now, the next year I worked at, I was asked right away to come back. And I was like, oh, in a, mm, done. I'm there. And this time I was what was called a swing attendant, but I drove the motorcade. 
So I had to learn how to drive a Camaro at five miles per hour on a parade mm. route. I would think that that would be harder than one would think. You are correct. You okay. are very correct because we had the celebrities in our cars. So we had precious cargo. Mm -hmm. I had a majority of the voice actors that did Rebels and Clone Wars. So I drove okay. Tia Sakar, who was the voice of Sabine. Uh, and I drove Taylor Gray, who was the voice of Ezra. And let me tell you, he is the coolest person ever. But the moment for me, the final weekend of Star Wars Weekends, our big major guest was Frank Oz. Mm, and nice. I'm standing in the back. We're lined up against our cars. And he walks up to each person and introduces himself. And, and, and for the for the listeners who don't know who Frank Oz is, he is the voice of Yoda. Yoda, Miss he Piggy did Miss. Yep, yep. Directed, Bear. directed Little Shop of Horrors. Directed In and Out. This man mm -hmm. walks right up to me, shakes my hand, and goes, "Hi, I'm Frank." And I went, "Yes, you are." <laughs> he was him and Warwick Davis are the top of my list of the nicest people I ever met during Star Wars weekends. Nice. No shade on the others. Because everyone was always great. Um, Ray Park, who played Darth Maul, everyone loved him. Oh my God, the ladies. He was he was a hit. He apparently would walk around in a Speedo. Oh. I, I don't know. I never, well. I never saw it. <laughs> now, uh, was Hollywood Studios your favorite park to work? No. My favorite park to work was... We're out of time for today, but part two with Jason comes out next week where we talk about so many incredible things. Just trust me, we dig deep into the Disney attractions, food, and so much more. If you liked what you've heard, please rate the show, leave a review, and tell all of your friends. And if you didn't like it, tell your enemies. Also, follow the show on social media by searching The Mouse and Me. Thanks for listening, everyone. I hope you have the best day ever, and see you real soon. <laughs>